How's everyone doing today? All right, so good to see you all here today. I hope you guys came to church in a good mood because today's sermon might put you in a bad one. So, as we continue part two of our series, Greater Love, learning how to love greater, last week we talked about the letter L, which talked about leaving, and not leaving your partner, but the law of priority. And this Sunday, we're going to talk about the O in love. The O is found in Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 17. As we go there today. It says, do not repay anyone. Can we just say anyone? Anyone. All right. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Can we say everyone again? Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is mine, the Lord says, to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. But on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome the evil with good. Let me say verse 21 today. That's the big takeaway. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome the evil with good. Before we pray, let's read that verse together one more time. Verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. The O stands for overcome. If you want love to work in your life, whether your love is your partner in friendships, relationships, church members, family members, strangers... If you want love to work in your life, you have to learn how to overcome. We're going to learn that this morning. Let's pray. Father, bless this word today, Lord. Help us, Lord, to apply this very difficult passage that you chose to put in the Bible, Lord. Father, help us to love, to learn how to overcome, to love how you love, Lord. Teach me, teach everyone here today. And help me to teach this word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat where you're at. As we go into this subject of greater love, how to love greater, how to really love like the Lord. When I looked at Romans chapter 12, I realized that this few scripture has a lot of truths, a lot of promises, and a lot of blessings. But I believe, in my opinion, this is one of the hardest scriptures to really apply to your life. How to love your enemy. Can I get a witness today? Not the only one. All right. Romans chapter 12 has this important truth and reality. The Bible is clear in Romans 12 that you will have evil done to you. In fact, if evil has ever been done to you in your life, would you show me your hands right now? All right. If you've ever done evil to someone, would you show me your hands right now? All right, good. Just want to make sure. All of us will have evil done to you. So when Someone does something, we say, man, I was done wrong, that was messed up, I can't believe they did that. Why can't you believe it? Why is it so shocking for us to be hurt by other people when we ourselves are guilty of hurting other people? The Bible says if anyone can keep, can really never mess up in what he says, he's a perfect person. Just think about that because... A lot of us have even said evil things. We have done evil things because when it comes to evil, you cannot avoid it. You cannot avoid an evil person. And evil can be done by words that you speak. 
Evil can be done by actions that you do. But the Bible is clear that evil is present and will be forever present on this earth as long as you live. You will encounter evil because we live in a fallen, sinful, evil world. And because people are sinful, therefore people are evil. And because people are evil, it means people will do evil things to you. You will never live a life in where you never encounter evil by anyone. And this is hard to understand because a lot of us think that it can never happen to us where someone can hurt us. But the truth is, evil can happen in all sorts of ways, whether in word or whether in deed. But you can't avoid it. But what's really shocking about evil and evil people in our lives is that sometimes the evil that's done by people is done by people we love. Sometimes family could be evil. It could be a a cousin, a brother, a sister, a parent, a child. But you can experience evil in your family. You can experience evil in a spouse. You didn't know they were evil when you married them. But your spouse can say and even do something evil because we have to know what the word evil really means in the Bible. In the Greek, the word evil literally translates something bad that causes harm or trouble. Something bad that causes harm, trouble, or even pain. So your family members can cause evil. They can hurt you. Your spouse can be evil. They can hurt you. Your friends can be evil. They can do hurtful things that are evil. Your co-workers can be evil. You can work for an evil boss. You know that you can have people in church that are evil. You're like, no. Well, if you want to find that out, join ministry. You will quickly find out people are evil even in the church. It's all over the Bible. People that you love will hurt you. The the Bible is full of dysfunctional families and friendships, and I love it. Who doesn't love drama? Think about Cain who killed his brother. Think about Joseph's brothers who betrayed him. Think about Jacob who lied and he stole his brother's birthright, but think about Jacob's mom that helped him. So mama was in on it. Didn't care how it would hurt her husband. Think about Judas who was best friends with Jesus who betrayed him for some cash, some money. You think about Job's wife who said, I wish you would curse God and die. What an evil thing to say or an evil person to be married to. But see, when I read the Bible... It's full of evil people indeed, but it's full of evil people that were family, that were married, that were friends, that were churches. It shouldn't surprise you when evil is done to you. And our natural reaction is to make an enemy out of those who are evil. Our emotions begin to take over. We make them and identify them now an enemy. And an enemy is someone that you oppose. Someone you resist. It's someone you don't like. For the purpose because they hurt you in some way. And your emotions begin to take over. And... People you once loved, now it's harder to love. People you used to get along with, now you don't get along with anymore. Why? Because in your view and in your mindset, you have labeled them an enemy. Oh, because they said this. Oh, because they did that. Oh, because they didn't say this. Oh, because they didn't do this for me. You've labeled an evil person in your life, someone who has done something bad, an enemy. 
And when that enemy is a family member, when that enemy is a friend, it's hard to love. Some of you are married to your enemy right now. Some of you are friends or used to be friends with your enemy right now. Some of us are going to church together with our enemy. It's quiet. Enemies are not strangers. Enemies are people you know. People you once loved. People you once befriended. And the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 19. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Hold that verse up there, because notice what it says. It doesn't say that the offense is the problem. It says that because the offense was done by who? A friend. An offended friend. And that word friend can translate someone in your family, a church member, a, 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 a friend, anyone close to you. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. If a stranger hurts me, I get over it. If a stranger says something to me, I move on. But when a close friend does it to me, when a close family member does it to me, it takes me a little longer to heal. It takes me a little harder, longer and it's a little more difficult to get over. Because when an offense is done by a friend, someone you trusted, someone you shared with, someone you had fun with, someone you've known for a while, someone you were close to, when that person does something evil and offensive and crosses the line, it is so much harder for you to get over it and win them back than it is for you to conquer a fortified city. And it says that arguments separate Friends, like a gate locked with bars. Did you ever notice that when a gate is locked, you can't get in? You know what happens when you are offended by someone close? When you're offended by a friend, a spouse, a family member, a church member. When you're offended by someone you love, like a gate that's locked, you tend to lock yourself up and close yourself out and separate from them. And you do things like, I'm not going to talk to them anymore. I'm not going to call them anymore. I'm going to know they're there, but I'm not going to acknowledge them anymore. I'm going to give them the silent treatment. I'm going to make sure they know I don't like them today. I'm going to close myself up. Because when the offense is done by someone you call a friend... When the evil is done by someone you call the friend, make them an enemy. See, what happens is the Bible says you begin to separate, divide. Because your instinct is to say, I got to protect myself. So now I got to shut down. I got to move away. I got to back off. I got to stop talking to them. I got to stop loving them. I got to stop being nice to them. I got to stop trusting. I got to move away. You know that none of that helps you. None of that helps you to heal. No one in their right mind has ever said to me, Pastor, ever since I stopped talking to them, treated them badly, avoided them, I feel peace and I'm just great. You all got this today. Chinese finger trap. Would you put that in your fingers and trust me? Get it in there real good. Got it? Now get out of it. You see, the first reaction 
is to pull away. To pull apart. And because that's my first reaction in my instinct, what happens in this Chinese trap is that it tightens more. It actually entraps you. But see, in order for us to get out of this, we have to go against our natural instincts and push towards it. And we get out. I want you to think about this Chinese trip, this trap, like relationships. When you get hurt, when you get offended, when someone crosses the line or the boundary, because we are sinful people, our natural reaction in the flesh is to take vengeance, Romans says. Our natural reaction, if I'm hurt, I'm going to hurt you. If I'm offended, I'm going to offend you. If you annoy me, I'm going to make sure I annoy you. Our natural, we live in a payback culture. You did this, I'm going to do it back. You said this, I'm going to say it worse. And our natural reaction in the flesh is to be angry and upset and pay back. Vengeance, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I'm going to make sure you hurt like you hurt me. And our natural reaction is to separate, fall apart, break away, make them hurt, make them suffer, make sure that I know they're hurting just like they hurt me. But see, what God says... In his word. Is that God is warning us. In Romans 12. That when you begin to react with your natural flesh. Your sinful flesh. You're actually like a Chinese trap. You're making things worse. You're actually allowing yourself to get trapped even more. Your natural reaction in the flesh is to separate and pull apart and tear apart. But that traps you. And when you give in to your emotions, and when you give in to your natural reactions in the flesh, you get trapped. You get trapped by bitterness. You get trapped by resentment. You get trapped by division. You get trapped by anger. And this is why God is trying to protect you. That when it comes to having a greater love in your life, you have to learn how to go against your natural instincts in the flesh. And the Bible says, do the contrary. Do the opposite. You see, verse 17 and verse 21, let me read this for a second. It says, your natural reaction is to repay anyone evil for evil. You've done evil to me, I'm going to do evil to you. You posted something about me, I'm going to post something about you. You said this, I'm going to say that. I'm going to make sure you hurt like I hurt. That's the way the world handles offense. That's the way your sinful nature tells you to do it. It's very easy and natural to snap at someone, is it not? You don't have to think twice. You ever thought about that? It's very easy for you to go, and throw and get mad. Why? It's your sinful flesh. But when it comes to acting like God, you got to think harder. Be more patient. Take your time. Pray. Because it's a natural instinct to be sinful. God warns us. He says in verse 17, Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. See, God says, do not repay evil for evil. And God is looking out for you, not them. 
This is what verse 21 says. It says, do not be, the, the, it says, do not be overcome by evil. But overcome the evil with good. See, both times that the Bible mentions the word evil, it warns you that it can trap you. But the promise that God says here is never do not avoid evil. Because you can't avoid the evil people do to you. But God says, do not be overcome by the evil. But overcome the evil with good. The promise that God says is that when evil is done to you, you can overcome it. What does that word overcome mean? Because if you're going to love greater, you have to learn how to overcome. That word overcome in the Greek is actually a battle term, a war term. And it means to conquer and have victory in battle. Relationships are a battle. Relationships are a fight. And every relationship, see, a good relationship is not measured by never fighting. You ever heard stupid people like that? We never fight. You know what I, I think? Well, maybe it's because you ignore things. Because you're weak. A good relationship is not one that never fights. A good relationship is one that knows how to fight. And I, I know what you're simply, oh, I know how to fight. I got a good right hook, Pastor. I'm not talking about that type of fighting. I said, let me rephrase that. A good relationship is not one that doesn't fight. See, a great relationship is with people that know how to fight with love. You know you can fight with love. For those who love to fight, you can fight with love. Because relationships are a battle. And in every battle, there's a fight. There's opposition. There's struggle. But see, every opposing side is fighting for something. And though relationships might be a battle, every relationship God has blessed you with is always worth fighting for. Are you fighting for your marriage or fighting in your marriage? Are you fighting with your children or fighting for your children? Are you fighting for your friendships or are you fighting with your friends? See, God used the word overcome because he's letting us know. It's a battle out there. Every married person, every family, every friendship, every church is a battle. A perfect church is not, oh, everyone gets along. Churches that are close and really close like us, you, in this church at least, you can know everyone by name. But that's not always a good thing. <laughs> it's a battle. It's a fight. But whenever you choose to say, I'm going to get mad, I'm going to fight them, I'm going to take vengeance, I'm going to take evil for evil, I want you to re always remember you're trapping yourself. And that evil will overcome you, the Bible says. And many people have been overcome by evil. It has conquered them. It has had victory over their lives. And you know that evil has conquered you when it has conquered the peace in your life. You don't have peace anymore because of what they did. You know that evil has won and conquered in the battle because you no longer have joy anymore. It's conquered your joy. It's conquered your trust. And so many people in this world are overcome by evil. You're letting the evil get to you. You're letting the evil affect you. And so many people are allowing evil to overcome them for days, for weeks, for months, and even years. 
And it has overcome your love. It has overcome your peace. It has overcome your happiness, your joy. Because, oh, I just can't get over it. And God says, yes, you can. The promise in verse 21 says, overcome evil with good. But here's the promise. Overcome evil. God is letting you know you can have victory in the battle of evil. You can overcome. You don't have to live depressed. You don't have to lose your joy. You don't have to lose your peace. They're not worth it. God says, you either overcome this or this will overcome you. But there is no tie in this battle. So what are you going to choose? Greater love overcomes. You think he will? I've tried. And I'd be thinking, well, Pastor, how? How do I overcome this evil? I don't have to tell you. The Bible tells you. He says, overcome the evil. Verse 21, overcome the evil with, help me preach, with good. Let me be let me be honest here. Prayer won't do it. You're like, oh, does it say prayer? I need to pray to love more. You prayed for more peace. Lord, help me to love them and not kill them. Lord, help me. It doesn't say pray. It doesn't say set a counseling appointment with Pastor David. That'll help you vent, but it won't help you heal. It doesn't say memorize scripture and quote it. It doesn't say cast out demons. You know what it says? Overcome evil with good, with action. Overcome evil with action. Verse 20. You know how you get out of this trap? On the contrary, on the contrary to what? On the contrary to your sinful, natural reaction. We have to live contrary to our flesh and the world. But many Christians are acting like the world when it comes to the area of offense. And God says you have to be on the contrary. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. What God is saying here is you overcome evil with action. Actions of love. Because remember, your natural reaction is not to have action of love. But God says if you want to be free from this trap of evil, that wants to entrap you with unforgiveness and bitterness and lose your peace and joy. Verse 18, one of the hardest verses in the Bible here. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. See, God says you could have an enemy and have peace. They're still your enemy. But God says you can still have peace. As far as it depends on you. He says... It's going to be determined by you. Well, what about them? No, God says, what about you? It's going to be on your side. They can still be your enemy. You can still say, listen, I don't like them right now. And God says, I don't either. I know. But if you want peace in your life, you're going to have to learn to go contrary to your sinful nature. And in your actions, do something opposite to what you feel like. Because God says, do what is right. We live in a culture that says, I do what I feel. God says, no, you do what is right. 
In other words, you do what is right even when it feels wrong. Oh, it's going to feel wrong to love someone you don't want to love. It's going to feel wrong for you to say kind words to someone that doesn't deserve it. Oh, it's going to feel wrong for you to make them coffee in the morning. It's going to feel wrong for you to help them with the dishes. It's going to feel wrong for you to bring them flowers. Guys, Valentine's next Sunday, don't forget. It's going to feel wrong. And God says, oh yeah, it's going to feel wrong. But see, love overcomes your emotions. And it's contrary to your instincts. You guys getting this today? That's why I want to tell you, being a Christian is hard. It takes a real man to be a man of God. Or a woman of God. Because it is telling you to do the opposite of what you feel. What do you feel like doing? (laughs) Do the opposite. And you'll live at peace, even though you're with enemies. You know, I want to just let you know that peace is possible with your enemies. It just means that I don't like you, but we're not going to really bring each other down. You know, when, when President Trump was in office, he signed an Israeli peace treaty with Iran. You know what the treaty was? We don't like each other, but we're not going to fight with each other. So he signed a treaty with Turkey, and Turkey said, well, we don't like you, but we're not going to throw missiles at you. And it's, and it's illustrating this point. You can have enemies and still live at peace. And I love that God's saying, look, live at peace with your enemies. He didn't say make them your friend, then live at peace. No, he says, even if they're their enemy right now, well, pastor, they're the worst right now, you can still have peace. And maybe you don't have peace in your life right now. And it's because you're reacting to your natural reactions in the flesh to offense. What does God say? Verse 17, do what is right. Not what feels right. Do what is right because we learned last week that true biblical love is not emotional. But a decision to be unconditionally devoted to the well-being of that other person. It's not an emotion, it's a decision. But when you get all emotional about love, you're not going to do what's right because you're going to be driven by your emotions. But true Christianity is about overcoming your emotions and doing what is right because the Bible says, and you read the Old Testament, all the people that were blessed, the Bible opens up with this phrase, they did what was right in the eyes of God. They did what was right in the eyes of God. This person was cursed and the enemy took them into captivity and broke them apart because they did not do what was right in the eyes of God. But then another king came and he did right what was eyes in the eyes of God and he was blessed. See, the Bible has this pattern. If you do what is right in the eyes of God, I will bless you. But if you do what is right in your emotions, I will curse you. You have to do what is right even when it feels so wrong. That's why sermons like this don't grow a church. Because soft, weak churches say, just forgive and forget and move on and God says no. What are you doing? God did this for us. Romans 5.8 We live in this world that waits for people to change to then love. I'll wait for them to apologize. I'll wait for them to show me. I'll wait for them to change. Listen, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's read that together. God demonstrated, say that with me, demonstrated his love. How are you demonstrating love today? How are you demonstrating? 
God demonstrated his love. And this is the hard part. While we were still sinners. Not after we said, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I repent. No, God said, while you were a sinner, while you were at your worst, I chose to love you. I chose to demonstrate it. And I demonstrated it by giving my one and only son to die on the cross for your sins. This demonstration of love in God through Jesus is what brought healing to us. Forgiveness, peace, and restoration. When you choose to do what is right, and not be overcome by what was done wrong to you, you don't understand the healing and the forgiveness and the peace and the restoration your relationships can have. 1 John 3.18, God said, Dear children, that's Christians, let us not love with words or tongue, but with what? Actions and truth. Isn't it so easy just to use the word love and say lovely things? And, but there's nothing worse than when your words do not match your actions. There is nothing worse when you say, honey, I love you, but you disrespect them. There is nothing worse when you say, I love you so much, and yet you abandon them. There's nothing worse than when you say, I love you, but you're angry, you throw tantrums, you hurt them with your words, you give them the silent treatment, you disrespect them, you make them feel worthless, you curse at them, you make them feel horrible about themselves, you want to make sure they hurt. There's nothing worse than saying something and doing another. That is hypocrisy. And before you say, I love you, you better make sure you can back it up. Because God, when he said, I love you, let me prove it to you. And when he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, it was the ultimate sacrifice that brought pain and restoration. Why? Because when you choose to have the action of love, it is a sacrifice you make. It is painful. But the end result will be restoration. Love is hard. But love is not done with words. You can say you're sorry all you want. If your actions don't mean it, it means nothing. Love is an action. Start small. God said, you're hungry? Feed them. Thirsty? Give him something to drink. You start small. God says, do what is right. On the contrary, he says, do good for evil. When evil comes, do good. See, last week with the L, we talked about the law of priority. This week, I want to teach you the law of replacement. The law of replacement goes like this. Let me just teach you this way. I want to get the air out of this bottle. When you're hurt, you want to feel some type of relief. When you're hurt, you'll be surprised how relieving it feels to just get angry, boil up, and let them have it. Say what's on your mind. Doesn't that feel good? Be honest. At the moment, yeah. It's like Christmas. It feels so good when I know I hurt their feelings. Oh, and I stepped up and let them have it. Oh, and I threw that cup against the wall and it shattered. For a moment, it felt good. That's like trying to get this air out of the bottle. I can do it, and I can do it this way. All right, there. I did it. I got the air out of the bottle. Great. Did that feel great? Yeah. Okay, now what? 
It's gone. It's destroyed. I want you to think about your actions that way because sometimes there's certain actions that feel great at the moment. Oh, it feels good to let them have it. Text them, post it, let them know. I need them to know. And it feels great. But then after what? You accomplished what you wanted. You wanted to feel some type of relief. But now what are you left with? And this is what a lot of relationships look like. I could take the air out of this bottle. But you know, I can take out the air this way. And what's interesting is that as I filled it, the air left. And the bottle's intact. Why? Because I just replaced it with more water. That's the law of replacement in love. The law of replacement says, I'm going to replace what I feel, the evil, with something good. I'm going to fill my relationships with good. I'm going to say lovely things, but I'm going to do lovely things. My words will match my actions. And even though I get upset and I get mad when I do contrary to my instincts, when I replace this evil for something good, the law of replacement will actually keep your relationships intact. But many of us settle for this. We just want to react and yell and scream and hurt. And in the end, you have some type of relief, but the greatest relief you'll ever feel is by doing the opposite and doing good, and it brings healing to your relationships. You see, there's no denying that replacing evil for good is very difficult. There's no denying either that some of you here this morning, you've been done wrong. But God says when you've been done wrong, you have to do what is right. And you say, well, Pastor, I don't feel like it. You're not going to feel like it. Well, then I feel like a hypocrite because I don't feel it. Bro, God says, listen, on the contrary to how you feel, I know you're not going to feel it. But when you do it, and you do it, whether it's small or big. It heals your relationships. And that's love. Love is a demonstration. It overcomes evil with good. If you want to love great, you have to overcome in a great man. When I do marriage counseling, I laugh a lot. When I do counseling for broken marriages, I, I get sad a lot. You know what's interesting? I go against what most pastors advise couples. Most couples are advised by other pastors in counseling, premarital counseling. Make sure you have one date night a week. That's great. That's cute. You want to do that? Awesome. But you know what I tell my married couples? I said, listen, you want your marriage to work? It's not about doing one nice thing a week and you're horrible the rest of the six days. It's not going to work. Because let's say Saturday is your date night. So Monday through Friday, I'm going to disrespect you. I'm going to treat you wrong. I'm, not gonna, I'm barely going to talk to you. I'm going to make sure that I'm a bad person. But Saturday, honey, get dressed. We're going out. Ladies, how's that going to make you feel? But what if every day they treated you with respect? 
Every day they gave you attention and communication. Every day they met your needs. Every day they did actions that demonstrated their love. As you put this into a replacement idea. It's not about doing one big great thing to heal your relationship. Honey, let's go on a vacation, a second honeymoon. Let's restore that. Oh, that retreat. Let's retreat. You're just going to be locked up in a cabin with someone you don't like. Or in some cruise ship that you want to throw them overboard. Oh, you had a week. You know that sandals commercial for the week? I found out we were in love. And you come back to reality. It's not about doing one big thing. It's about doing the small good things daily. And when you do this, it begins to, well, I don't feel like it. You're not going to. But love overcomes. And there's no denying that what's been done to you or said to you or you're hurt. God's not denying the pain you're in right now. But some of you are trapped. You can't see them. You can't touch them. You, you can't crawl them. You can't text them. You can't even look at them. You're just like, oh, I'm going to turn around. You're trapped. You're bitter. You're unforgiving. How can God bless you like that? You're trapped. You say, well, Pastor, how do I get out of it? You do the opposite of what you really feel. That's what God did. Genesis 3.21, the first relationship was God and people. It was with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve crossed the line. Adam and Eve did what was wrong and evil. And because of their choices, pain came into the world. Shame came into the world. Fear came into the world. Isn't it interesting that the choices of other people can cause great pain to you? And it feels like, man, ever since they did this, my whole world got messed up. God relates. God said, yeah, I know people that I love. I know people I was close to that they crossed the line. They disobeyed. They hurt me. They messed up my world. Did Adam and Eve not mess up God's world by their selfish choice? How many of you and your world has been messed up by the selfish choice of someone else? You've been filled with pain. You've been filled with shame. You have been filled with fear and separation because of the choice of someone else. There is no one that understands that more than God right now. What I love about God is that He made a choice. God did not allow the evil to overcome Him. God could have said, I'm done! I'm going to just kill you too. Forget this world! No. God didn't say, let me just start over. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. You know what God said? I'm not going to be overcome by this evil, but I'm going to overcome this evil by covering you up. I want to cover your shame. I know you feel shame right now. My actions are going to cover you. Because our reaction when people hurt us is to make them feel ashamed. But God said, I'm not going to be overcome by what you did. But I'm going to overcome this evil with something good. I'm going to cover you. How do you think Adam and Eve felt when they know, they knew without a doubt, they hurt God, but God covered them? Are you getting this today? Why would God do that? 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, above all, love each other deeply because love, what? Covers a multitude of sin. That word cover in the Greek is a word that literally means overlook. When you have the action of love it will cause you to begin to overlook the evil they've done. 
See, when you're overcome by evil, all you're looking at is what they did. You ever hated someone so much you can't keep their eyes off them? You hate them so much, you're like, look at them. Look at them just standing there. Look at them. They're on their Facebook. Look at them. Your focus is on the evil. But see, God says when you choose the action of love, it covers. Let me close with this. You guys enjoying this today? This is a very complicated message today. Love covers. Come on, say that with me. Love covers. God could have said, I'm going to make sure you feel afraid, you stay feeling ashamed. But God says, I'm going to choose to cover your shame. I'm going to, you don't deserve it, but I'm going to choose an action that's going to overcome the evil you did. And I know what you're thinking. I know it. Well, that's not fair. It's not fair. What about me? What? That's not fair. You mean I have to be the good one? That's not fair. That's the world we live in. It's not fair. But you know what's interesting about this passage? Verse Genesis 3.21. The Lord God made garments of skin from Adam. For Adam, and he clothed them. The skin that God covered them with came from an animal in the garden. Which means that there was an innocent animal that had to die in order to cover them. Is that, is that fair? Of course not. Because God was letting us know the same way I sacrificed an innocent animal to cover up your shame. I'm going to sacrifice my one and only son to cover up your sin. Love is not fair. But we have to learn to love like God. And God chooses to overcome evil with good. You have to start demonstrating this love little by little. You might have to start doing some apologizing. But every relationship can be restored when you learn the law of replacement. I'm going to replace the evil done with good. See, this is what happens to us. Say something hurtful. They do something mean. They weren't there for me when I needed them. They walked out on me. They lied about me. like people are just draining you you come home from work drained because you're working with someone that literally sucks the life out of you to come home to a marriage that's dry and empty because you're draining each other this is what a lot of us are doing today we're just drained people will drain you. And God knows this. God knows that people are going to just drain you so much. That's why we have so many relationships. So many families, so many marriages, so many churches that are dry. That are empty. See, God says, listen, I can throw this bucket away. I can say it's over, it's gone, it's hopeless. Or I can choose 
and I can say, you know what? I'm going to begin. It's broken. There it is. Every time you say, I'm just going to, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to say something nice. Oh, I don't feel like it, but but I'm going to text them. I'm going to say something positive. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to take them out to lunch. I don't feel like it, but I'm not going to retaliate. I don't feel like it. I'm going to make sure that my actions cover them. And you know what happens is that when I look at this bucket, I know what you're thinking. That's ugly. Let me tell you something, though. Relationships don't have to be pretty like this bucket. They just got to work. It's not about having a pretty relationship. So get rid of that sunset in the beach picture. Get rid of that hanging in the hammock, hugging, and love is beautiful. Listen, relationships are ugly. They just got to work. They just got to work. How do you make an ugly relationship work? You cover it with your actions and in doing so you're going to have a filling relationship not a dry one amen come on let's pray today love covers let's all stand to our feet I believe everyone needs to pray today Father I pray you forgive us because it is a battle out there. And Father, some of us are married to the enemy. We're friends with the enemy. We're working with the enemy. We're related to the enemy. And Father, this is one of the hardest verses to apply. But I pray, Lord, when evil is done, when evil is said, that we would have an opposite reaction to our natural reaction for vengeance. Because your word says if it is possible, and we know, Lord, that sometimes it's not possible. And that's why we entrust them to you. But as we entrust them to you, let us continue to do what is right, even when we don't feel. Father, in this church, I know there are people that are drained, that are running on empty because of people that have selfishly hurt them. I pray, Lord, that through your Holy Spirit, they not be overcome by that evil, but help them to have overcoming victory by doing what is right, even when it feels wrong, because love overcomes. So help us to leave this church this morning with a better attitude. Help us to apologize. Help us to take the small steps and actions needed to restore and love like you have loved us. This is your prayer today. Would you raise your hand up and say, I'm going to love more with action. God bless you all around the room today. Father, bless us this week as we go forth into our regular lives. We're coming back home to the enemy. We're going to go back to work with the enemy. The enemy is going to be on the Palmetto Expressway. The enemy is going to be at Walmart. The enemy is going to be everywhere. Strangers, friends, relationships, spouses. Lord, let us love our enemies as you have loved us. Because love overcomes and help us to apply the law of replacement. In Jesus' name, we all say amen today. Amen. God bless you guys. I hope you guys were blessed by that message today.